The Old Testament reading for this, the eighth Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 44th chapter. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. This is the word of the Lord. O oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the eighth chapter. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the firstfruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see... We wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for a sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. 
He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The church service was about to begin. People were settled in their pews, doing their normal before-church routine, when suddenly a masked gunman enters and comes running to the front of the sanctuary. And he waves his weapon around and he shouts out, Unless you are willing to die for your beliefs, you better get out of here. While three-fourths of the congregation stand up and run frantically for the door. The gunman looks around at the remaining quarter, turns to the pastor, removes his mask, and it's the head elder. And he says, Pastor, go ahead. The faithful are here. We've separated the weeds from the wheat. It's funny, but it's not funny, is it? This parable that we hear today from Matthew, it makes a clear distinction between the wheat and the weeds in the world. For the wheat, the faithful, those who believe in the word of the Lord, there is eternal joy in heaven. While for the faithless weeds, there is nothing but an eternity of burning. And God makes it very clear that the two will not be mixed God does not want the angels to touch the field until it is abundantly clear which plant is which and they can be properly separated. And we absolutely agree with God that the harvest shouldn't happen until that point. But maybe not for the right reasons. We look at the situation with the wheat and the weeds being mixed together. And we might be tempted to say, no, 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 don't harvest now. Because some of that bad seed might get in with the good. We don't want those sinners in heaven with us. I mean, we don't even want them in church with us, do we? Church is a place for the pure, the righteous, the good people, right? We don't want it contaminated by those bums who aren't well-liked in our community, those drunkards, those adulterers, those liars, those cheats. And if we don't want to sit next to them for an hour a week, what makes God think that we would be happy spending eternity with someone like that? We're better than them, we say. We've worked hard for our reward, and those no-goodniks, they should get what's coming to them. They don't deserve heaven like we do, we think. If they want to be in heaven, they should have to clean up their act just like we do. If they want to go to heaven, they should have to put their fair share into the offering plate like we do. If they want to see paradise, 
They should have to sit through all the sermons like we do, not just the ones on Christmas Eve and Easter. Let's face it, that is our attitude a lot of the time, isn't it? We begrudge those people who show up at church but can't seem to get their life together. We cast sideways glances at those who come just every now and then thinking, what do they think they're doing here? We make mental accusations of hypocrisy at those who come to church occasionally but not as often as we think they should. That's sort of the way we think when we're sharing God's word and inviting people to church too. We pre-screen them. We decide if they're good enough to join the hallowed ranks of this blessed congregation. We want good, nice, clean, upstanding people who are going to shine out like a beacon in our community, matching the goodness that we ourselves have. We don't want to waste our time teaching someone about the joy of the gospel if they're just going to keep on being lowlifes. We want a finely polished kernel of wheat, a high-quality Christian that we can truly be proud of and say, this indeed is my brother or sister in Christ. And so we agree with God on this parable. We don't want the weeds and the wheat to mix. Don't harvest now because there might be some mixing, we say. Some of those rotten weeds might get in, and we certainly don't want that. God does agree that the harvest should not happen now because there might be some accidental mixing. But not the reason that we think. God says, don't harvest now. Don't tear out any of the plants because some of the chosen seed might accidentally be thrown out. My mom learned very quickly in life that I was not a good choice for weeding the garden. I am not a plant guy, and so it all looks pretty much the same to me. And it turns out that that big pile of weeds that I had uprooted and tossed to the side over the last hour or so, it wasn't all weeds. Sure, there were a lot of weeds that I had pulled, but there was also a lot of young lettuce plants, carrots, zinnias, spinach, If it didn't have an obvious flower on it, if it wasn't clearly identifiable as something worthwhile, I pulled it, not knowing any better and honestly not caring either. The kind of weed that's described in this parable, it's a kind that looks exactly like wheat until the very end of the harvest when the wheat produces and the weed doesn't. The angels... Upon hearing of the devil's dastardly deed, they want to go out right away and do something about it. They want to rip out all those wicked weeds. They want to begin tearing out plants immediately so that there is no chance for those weeds to jeopardize the crop. But what does God do? He holds them back. Says, whoa, lay down the weed whackers for now. Let's let the whole field grow together. Let the whole thing be nourished together to be certain that none of the good plants perish. Have you ever asked yourself, why are we still here? On the grand scale of things, why are we still here? When you consider how wicked, how evil the world is, 
how opposed it has become to God's word and his way. Why has God not destroyed this world already? Well, because God is a God of mercy and of patience. God does not want even one person to perish in the fires of hell. And so he gives this world plenty of time to hear and to heed his word. He didn't have to. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, he could have ended the world and said, I created perfection, you blew it, we're done. But he didn't. For thousands and thousands of years, he has cried out his word to believer and unbeliever alike. The word of God, it is for all people. Jesus does not say, he who has ears and is good and goes to church at least three times a month, let him hear. Certainly we want to do these things. Because here is where we are nourished the best. Here is where we are given gifts that we can receive nowhere else. And in the end, there will be judgment. And even those weeds who looked so convincing, they will not escape the fire. God's law is absolute, and he will not be mocked, will not be swayed by the double-minded arguments that we use to try to justify our sin. But so that not even one kernel of wheat is wasted or accidentally cut down before its time, God allows the whole field to grow, watering it all ever so thoroughly with his word calling out and feeding wheat and weed alike. And instead of just sitting back to see what's what, God is actively changing those wicked, nasty sinners into wheaty saints. How do I know? Because it happened to me. It happened to you as well. You were dead in your sin. You had nothing to offer God. You deserved only the eternal fires of hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth. But instead, you were changed. You were shown mercy, and you were made alive in Christ. God is the only one who can do that. You know, we might try to change the lives of people around us, might try to convince them of the error of their ways, might try to train them to do what is right. But if we are doing so with only earthly methods and earthly rewards, all we're doing is propping up the weed to make it stand up a little straighter. A faithless life, no matter how clean or straight it might seem, it is still a weed and it is still doomed for burning. But when we speak the word of God, when we apply his precious gospel, miracles happen. At this altar, through the power of God's word alone, simple bread and wine become the very body and blood of Christ to nourish us and to give us what we can receive nowhere else. Through God's word, simple water at this font becomes the eternal washing of regeneration, drowning our sin daily and making us alive to Christ. And in that same seemingly ordinary way, through God's word and sacraments, nasty, useless, sin-filled weeds are made to be productive sheaves of wheat. Sinful, useless, rotten weeds like you and me, we are made the children of God. This is why our church insists on keeping God's word at the center of everything that we do. 
Gimmicks don't change lives. Feelings don't save souls. And entertainment does not unlock the gates of heaven. But go back to that opening illustration where the well-meaning elder chases out all those with a weak faith. What good is a church that removes all the unfaithful and unworthy people? Now, first off, a church without sinners, it is utterly empty, pulpit and all. Second, even if there were perfect people attending, that's not doing them any good. They're already perfect. God's word is for sinners. It is for outcasts. It is for filthy, miserable wretches like me who can't get our lives in order no matter how hard we try. The church has one mission. Proclaim Jesus Christ to sinners. Through the blood of Christ, applied directly to our lives, we are changed from useless weeds to fruitful wheat. Washed clean of all of our sins, we no longer want to live like weeds, sucking up whatever we can for ourselves, selfishly gratifying our own desires, having no concern for what kind of fruit we might produce in our lives. When we realize what Jesus has done to redeem us, when we realize that the one true God, the first and the last, fights for us and has made us his children, we strive to produce good grain nourishing others around us by speaking that same word that has changed our lives. No, we're not perfect at it. And we still sin, and we act pretty weedy pretty often. But by the power of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We are changed, and we are made new. Jesus suffered and died so that we could live. Jesus shed his blood so that we could be washed clean of our guilt. Jesus sacrificed his perfect life to pay for all of our wrongdoing. And Jesus rose again from the grave to give us the eternal victory over sin, death, and the devil. To bring us into his perfect storehouse forever. That's the word of God that everybody needs to hear. And that gospel of salvation is for all people, no matter how much we might think that they're a useless weed. Here on earth, tainted by sin, we may not like them very much. We certainly don't endorse or encourage the sinful things that they do, even as we remember that we ourselves are still sinners. But by the power of God's word, they, like us, can be changed, can be purified, can be turned from their evil ways and given the peace and the joy that we ourselves have been given through the cross and empty tomb of Jesus Christ. The wheat and the weeds, they will be separated. Make no mistake about that. When the final judgment comes, when Jesus Christ returns in glory, the wheat will be carried to eternal paradise while the weeds are taken away to be burned. But until that day, we can't call it. And we shouldn't try to. We don't write off anyone as a useless weed, because God certainly hasn't. And let us give thanks to him each and every day for that fact. Because even as his precious wheat, we still get pretty weedy sometimes. But by the blood of Christ, by his precious gift of salvation, through his word and sacraments, we have been changed 
And we have been given the greatest, most precious gift ever. For we who were once worthless weeds, who have nothing at all to offer God in return, we have been blessed and changed by the precious message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that through his cross alone, through his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.